You're listening to Maternal Monitor. Here's your host, Jamin Wilson. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Maternal Monitor, where we talk about the many stages of motherhood. Today's guest is my very best friend, Michelle. Michelle is very honest and real during this podcast and goes into the detail of the darkest time of her life. Michelle had severe postpartum depression and shares her story of how she overcame it and advice to other women going through it. It is estimated that postpartum depression affects approximately 10 to 20% of women globally. There are many symptoms of postpartum depression, but some of the main ones Michelle touches on are feeling sad, hopeless, empty, or overwhelmed, being unable to sleep when your baby is asleep, having trouble concentrating and making decisions, losing interest in activities that are usually enjoyable, having trouble bonding with your baby, or thinking about harming yourself or your baby. Michelle wants women everywhere to know that you are not alone and postpartum depression is nothing to be embarrassed about. I was not excited to go to the hospital. I was like really scared. I feel like most people are usually pretty excited to have their babies, but I was like really terrified because I, I don't know, I still felt really underprepared. Um, labor was also happening really, really fast. By the time I got into the hospital, I was already in transition and I was pushing like two minutes later. So I was only in the labor and delivery room for like 20 to 30 minutes before she was born. So it was just a little bit um, like overwhelming and like really shocking to just have it happen so fast. And I, it was almost like I couldn't like mentally prepare myself for her actually being there because all of a sudden she was just on me and it was like, what just happened? Um, Do you remember like pushing at all? Yeah, mm-hmm, yep, like vividly. Everyone talks about how you, like, don't remember after... There's supposed to be, like, a flood of hormones right after you have the baby that helps you, like, forget. And I just feel like that didn't happen to me. Like, I remember everything that I thought and felt, and it was, like, pretty traumatizing, actually. The nurse... <clears throat> there was one nurse that told me, in every natural labor, like, or every natural labor and delivery, the mother gets to a point where she feels like she can't do it anymore and when you are to that point you're almost there and I hit that really fast and I just remember like crying and they had to put an oxygen mask on me because I wasn't getting a break from my contraction so I couldn't like breathe normal so I told them I was hyperventilating so they could put a mask on me um so I had the mask on me and they had to keep having me like move from side to side because Rose's heart rate was dropping and they weren't really telling me what was going on. They would just like tell me to move and I'd be like, you guys are stressing me out. And they're like, no, we're, we're on top of it. It's okay. You don't need to worry. But I started crying and I was like, I don't feel like I can do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And the nurse said, you're almost there. And I was like, no, like I just barely started pushing. There's no way I'm almost there. They kept telling me like how good I was doing, but the whole time I was just, it wasn't like, your typical delivery where they like have you push for 10 seconds and then pause and then push for 10 seconds and pause and then you have a two minute break it was just like constant pushing and I was like gasping for air whenever I could so it was just really intense and really fast and I mean I wouldn't even say that it was the most painful experience that I've ever had I've definitely had more painful things happen in my life it was just like really intense and kind of terrifying, if okay. that makes sense. Is everyone talked about like, once you see the baby, you're going to feel this undeniable love that you've never felt before. But they just like pulled out this long blue baby and like threw her on my chest. 
And I was so weak. I, like, don't know how to explain it. I just, I couldn't even, like, move her to look at her face. So all I remember about that moment was I looked down at the top of her head, and her hair was a little bit curly because it gets curly when it's wet. And I was like, oh, she has curly hair. And I just, like, laid there like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? Like, I, I didn't even feel connected to her. It was just, like, this really heavy weight, if that makes sense, yeah. of, like, stress. And, like, oh, my gosh, this really just happened, and why did I choose to do this? I didn't experience the happy hormones like they say you're supposed to. I really feel like there was something wrong, like, right from the moment I was done delivering her. Like, I, I think about that a lot, and I wonder, like, what it was that was going on in my body like I wish I understood like what was happening but right when she was there I just felt so weak and I don't know how to explain it other than I just could not process information like I just felt like my brain wasn't fully functioning and I couldn't make decisions and it was just like really difficult for me to like think and I was like maybe I'm in shock like maybe maybe that's it Mm -hmm. I don't know but that feeling didn't go away the whole time I was at the hospital the nurses would come in and like try to you know they make you watch those videos of like how to do CPR on a baby or you know stuff like that and I remember watching them trying so hard to like absorb the information and I just couldn't Mm -hmm. like my brain just wasn't working and I just felt really off and that didn't go away like when I went home I still really struggled like making the most simple decisions or thinking and I don't know. I just feel like something was off from like the moment I had her. There was like no happiness. And he he's not a very emotional person. So I actually was pretty prepared for him to like not feel super connected to her. And he has like 40 nieces and nephews and he's never enjoyed held, holding babies. So I was actually a little bit concerned about him, but he was like beaming, like happiest I've ever seen him. I've only seen him that happy like a handful of times. And it was like our wedding day and the day he got his mission call, like he was just so beyond thrilled. And he was, he was so connected to her from like the beginning. He was completely smitten. And I was just like in shock. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Did you, when you were in the hospital, did you think it would go away? Maybe like the shock. And when you got home, you would be connected to her and it would just kind of yeah. get better. No, I actually didn't want to leave the hospital because I was more afraid of going home. Like, I just felt like I couldn't do anything on my own. Every single time I tried to nurse her, I couldn't figure it out. And the nurses would come in and help. I never attempted to feed Rose once by myself before I left the hospital. And I just felt so underprepared and, like, terrified to take her home. I was just, like, in tears when they told us we had to leave. And, like, we stayed as long as we possibly could have. And I just, I remember, like, shaking in the car driving home, like, oh, my gosh, I just don't know how to do this. And mm-hmm. I was weirdly terrified. Like, I felt nervous before, but I thought that, like, everyone says, like, oh, your mother instincts will kick in and you'll know what to do. And that wasn't the case for me. I just felt so, like, lost and confused the whole time. I do think the fact that I wasn't able to nurse her played a huge role because I was like weirdly passionate about nursing. It was Mm -hmm. super important to me, like crazy important to me that I did it. And it was just a struggle from like the very beginning. The nurses all had different advice. Like every different, every nurse that I had told me to do things a different way. And so I felt like I had to keep relearning it. 
every time there would be a shift change. Um, and I was like, by the time I left the hospital, so it had only been like two days, my nipples had just been like ripped to shreds and they were bleeding and I had blisters, blisters all over them. And I was already starting to get clogged ducts. Uh And it was really confusing because they were like, it's weird, you're nursing frequently enough, you shouldn't really have those clogged ducts, like just keep nursing and like rub, rub them out in like a hot shower or something. Um, And they say, you know, that it should, it should be a little bit uncomfortable when babies latch at first, but it should never be painful. And if it is painful, then it means that there's something wrong with the latch. But no matter how many people checked her latch, they'd be like, hey, her lips are flanged. There's a lot of tissue in the mouth. Like, there should be no reason for this blistering. We can't figure out what's wrong. And they never figured out what was wrong. Like, they checked her for lip ties and tongue ties over and over. And pretty much everyone that checked would be like, something's wrong. We just don't know what it is. And we couldn't fix it. Um, but the biggest problem was, for whatever reason, I, I never had a letdown. So I just got really engorged and I had clogged ducts throughout my entire breast and it just kind of felt like a bag of rocks were like hanging around my neck. It was, it was more painful than labor for sure. Having like engorged breasts and everyone would tell me, you know, get in the shower and just like let the hot water run over you and just let the milk flow, but it never happened. Um, and again, they don't know why I never had a letdown. Um, probably just because I was so stressed and uptight and I legitimately forgot about eating and I would go like the entire day with only eating, you know, like a hundred calories worth of like cereal that I threw in my mouth one second of the day and I wasn't sleeping at all. So I think that my body just couldn't really function properly. And I was, I felt like a really big failure and it was so important to me that I nursed that I like wouldn't give her formula. And by the time she was two weeks old, the doctor was like, you have to give her formula. Like it's getting dangerous. She's not getting any nutrition. So it was just really like depressing and upsetting. And I just felt like everyone judged me for not nursing. And I felt like I'm like, I missed out on the bond that I was supposed to create with her. I think that that is a big part of it is I kept thinking like everyone talks about the bond that you have when you nurse a child. And I wanted it so bad because I didn't feel connected to her at all. I didn't feel like I loved her and I wanted desperately to feel that. And the fact that nursing didn't work out, I think just made it like extra bad. Like I felt like, well, great. Now I can't bond with my child. You know, I really couldn't sleep. That was another really weird thing about after having, rose um I couldn't fall asleep it was like I was just so wired and the first night after having her I had her at like 10 37 in the morning so I had all day before I went to bed and I didn't go to bed till about midnight but I figured it was still just like the adrenaline or something because I didn't sleep at all the entire night I just like laid there wide awake like replaying labor in my mind and just feeling really stressed and didn't sleep at all for like the first 36 hours, not like for a minute. And um, they gave me a sleeping pill the following night and I was able to sleep for a few hours. But after going home, it was the same thing. Like I just would lay there wide awake and I just couldn't fall asleep. Even when Rose was like perfectly peacefully sleeping, I would just stay awake. And it got really frustrating because I was so tired, obviously, and things 
progressively got a lot worse over the course of like two weeks where I wasn't sleeping. Um, because, you know, the decision-making problem that I told you I was having, it, it became so much increased by so much just because your brain literally can't function when you're not getting sleep. And so I just remember looking at Michael being like, I have to go to the bathroom and I need to change her diaper. What do I do? Like, I just, I couldn't even like process, like, how do I conquer this tiny problem? And he would have to like, tell me exactly what to do. Why don't you set her down, go to the bathroom, I'll change her diaper. Like, I just couldn't think straight. So um, when I got to the doctor's office for her two-week appointment, I was pretty frazzled. I was I was a wreck. Like, I just couldn't think straight. I was so unhappy. The night before, um, I had started packing her bags, and I decided I was going to give her to my friend who was struggling with infertility at the time because I knew that she wanted a baby so bad, and I didn't want the one that I had, and I just felt really trapped. And Michael obviously talked me down, and said that he loved her too much to give her up, but I was really losing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also in a ton of pain from the breastfeeding. Um, and so I, I like really kind of lost it at that point. So at the doctor's office, they weighed her. I wish I could remember how much she had lost, but um, the doctor was pretty surprised by the weight loss and told me that I needed to start doing formula. And I told him I wasn't going to because I was so passionate about making nursing work. And he said, I don't think you understand. You have to start formula. If you don't, her organs will start shutting down. Like it's time to feed the child. And so then I just started sobbing because I felt like, oh my gosh, I've been starving her. Like I had no idea that she literally was getting nothing and that she's been starving to death. And I felt like I had ruined her already and failed her already. So I felt like a failure as a mother because I didn't even see that she needed the nutrition. Like I hadn't even noticed it. And, um, when I was crying, I, uh, it was like noticeable that I couldn't pull myself together. And he was, he asked how I was doing. And I just said, what is the difference between the, between baby blues and postpartum depression? And he was like, okay, well tell me what's been going on. And I told him a little bit about like sleeping and how, I couldn't sleep and how I regretted having her and how I just felt so trapped and I didn't feel connected to her. And he said, okay, I think the first thing we need to do is get you sleep. Like, I don't know if this is postpartum depression or, um, he said, I know that you were having a psychotic break. You can't go this long without sleep, without having, you can't go this long without sleep, without having a psychotic break. So I think that maybe if you got some sleep, like that would fix the problem. Um, and so he he told me the story about, like, the Nazis, when they would, like, torture people, a form of torture was they would only let these people sleep for these men, these, like, soldiers, sleep for four hours at a time after they had slept for four hours and make them wake up and turn on all the lights and play loud music and bring in dogs to wake them up. And after three days of that, um, all of these men would tell the Nazis anything they wanted to know because they couldn't take it anymore. And Dr. Jones told me about that and said, it, it's crazy to me because we send home these mothers to get even less sleep than that and expect them to, like, handle everything when these, like, grown, trained men couldn't handle it for three days. Like, that really tells you how 
how much you need sleep. He said, you need to go home and you need to get five hours of straight sleep. And if you do that, I think you'll feel a lot better. But let me know if you don't. Michael and I didn't have any help at the time. No, None of our, like parents or anything came to stay with us from the beginning so it was just he and I kind of trying to figure it out on our own and he was in the middle of finals so it was a pretty stressful time so at this point we called his mom and just said we're like desperate we need you to come and for the next three days I didn't see Rose like almost at all I just um I would try to pump which anytime I'd pump I'd just get like a few drops even though I pumped for like 45 minutes and I was so engorged and I would just like sleep and they would feed me because I wasn't eating so I just like literally my only job was to like lay around eating and sleeping and it took me a long time to fall asleep which Dr. Jones told me that that would happen because once you become sleep deprived it's more difficult to fall asleep Mm -hmm. so it took like a solid three days before I finally like fell asleep and stayed asleep for like three hours. And then the following day I was able to sleep for like five hours and he was right. I did feel better, but I still didn't feel great. And I think that that's like, I think I should have gone back in to talk to him, but I just kept telling myself like, Oh, I'm doing better. Like I'm doing better than I was last week. So it'll probably continue to get better. And so I never did go talk to him again about it anyone that saw me could see that I was just spent you know Uh I just cried all the time I think everyone could see it but I guess there is just like a lot of pressure in the world too because obviously we all know breast is best like we get it like obviously Heavenly Father created our bodies to make like the perfect milk for our children Mm -hmm. so it's obviously the best but um I feel like I wish I wouldn't have felt like the formula was poison because uh-huh. <laughs> formula is really good too. Yeah. you know like she definitely got the nutrition that she needed from formula and feeding her was much better than trying to nurse her when it wasn't working well, she was starving to death and dr jones said to be pretty careful about that because she would just keep eating and eating and eating and then like throw it all up so okay. he was like try to give her you know just a couple of ounces at first because She's so hungry that she's going to suck and suck and suck and suck until she her body can't even take it anymore. And so we tried to keep it down, but she was really frantic. And um, I do remember she, like, spit up everywhere, and it was like she was just covered in it. But she wasn't a spit-up baby. Like, after we got past the first day or so when she was getting fed more regularly, she didn't really spit up ever. So she okay. was just starving. Okay, and then, yeah, when did you start to feel better, you think? And maybe start feeling connected to Rose? I think that's a really difficult question for me to answer Mm -hmm. because I really don't feel like that happened until she was almost a year old. Um, But I know that there were good moments. You know, there, Mm -hmm. I specifically remember the first time she laughed, I, I was like really happy and I couldn't get over how adorable the sound was. I just loved that sound. And she got really, really sick when she was, like, three and a half months old. Um, She just had, like, a really bad fever, and she was so lethargic. And I just remember feeling, like, heartbroken for her. So I did – I do know I started to feel, like, the connection because I cared about her at that point. Like, it was – like, I cared really deeply for her, and it was really difficult for me to see her 
be sick, whereas like before, if she were crying or in pain, like I was just kind of numb to it, you know? So I know that there were moments that were good. It was just scattered with so many unhappy moments that it's, I feel like for the most part, I didn't feel connected to her and I didn't feel better. I really like withdrew from friends and, um, I just never wanted to leave my house. I never wanted to do anything fun. I just felt like, yeah, it's not like me. And the silly thing is, um, is I was hurting people's feelings without realizing it. My closest friend, Kelsey, um, told me later that her feelings were hurt because she, she knows how social I am. And she was certain that I was like hanging out with other people and not her. Like she felt like left out. Cause she was like, Michelle wouldn't just be sitting around. Like she's definitely hanging out with other people and she must not want to be my friend anymore or whatever. And little did she know, I just like, I didn't go hang out with anyone or even care to hang out with anyone. So it wasn't like, I didn't want to hang out with her. I just didn't even think about it. Cause I was just so depressed. And like, I just kept thinking like, Oh, this isn't postpartum depression. I'm just so tired. And, mm-hmm. but um, not being able to sleep is a symptom of postpartum depression. And um, if I would have treated it, then I probably would have been able to sleep, you know, and then mm-hmm. it would have been, it was just kind of like a vicious cycle. Also, I should mention when I went to my six week checkup, um, cause they have you do a six week checkup after having the baby to make sure everything is healed properly. They always ask about postpartum depression. They ask how you're doing, you know, and my doctor and the nurse that was in there, they really did create a safe place for me to speak up. Like I know that they did. Um, but I remember the doctor saying, you know, lots of women at this point, they experience like, they want to like throw their kid against the wall when their kid is screaming in the middle of the night. And if you're experienced anything like that, that's normal and I can help you. And I like thought about it for a second and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I would throw her against the wall. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Even though I didn't want her and didn't love her and was crazy unhappy. I was like, well, I don't want to throw her against the wall. So I guess I must be doing okay. And again, I was doing better than I was like a month before. So I just didn't say anything. Okay. And do you wish you would have? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, I had told him that I couldn't sleep and he was just kind of like, yeah, that's normal. And I was like, I I wish I would have made it more clear that I couldn't sleep, not because of Rose. Because I just told him like, you know, I'm not getting a lot of sleep. And they were kind of like, oh, yeah, newborns, it's hard. But um I don't think he knew that I was like laying awake in the middle of the night when she was like perfectly peacefully sleeping. Um, But yeah, I definitely wish that I would have reached out because I just feel like I wasted the whole first year of Rose's life. Uh You know, I feel like people talk about their babies with like such fondness and they like look back at pictures and feel like, Oh, I just want to hold my little baby again. And when I see those pictures, all I see is just, you know, so much sadness, like regret. I just like, I wish that people could feel more like it's okay to give formula. You're not a failure if your body isn't producing milk or if it's not working. I don't know, kind of like, I don't know. It's just hard for women to feel like their bodies are failing them. Um, I've struggled with infertility a little bit as well. And I just couldn't help but feel like angry at my body for not being able to get pregnant. And I've also with the nursing thing, I felt just really angry at my body because it was supposed to work this certain way, but some women just can't. So it's 
I just wish that women wouldn't beat themselves up over it. And I also would like for other women not to put women who can't breastfeed down because that was really hard for me. I would go into the mother's lounge at church to like change Rose's diaper or bottle feed her. And I would get looks like, why are you in here? If you're not a nursing mom, you don't belong here. And I didn't feel comfortable going in to that room because of the way people looked at me. Like I just felt like I was less of a mother because I didn't nurse. And it'd be nice if women didn't treat other women like that. Well, it wasn't until um, Rose was like about, was she like seven and a half months maybe that I started having suicidal thoughts. Um, So I felt like I had improved a little and then it just got worse. And that was when she was sleeping through the night and I was starting to sleep, you know. Mm -hmm. So I was getting sleep at that point. I mean, I was still tired because it wasn't like as much sleep as I would like, but I was sleeping at that point and I started feeling like, you know, I didn't really want to kill myself. I just knew I, or I felt like Michael and Rose deserved better and I wanted to run away. Like I just wanted to leave so that Michael could find someone else that would be a better wife and a, and a better mother for Rose. And that really made sense to me at the time. Um, but I just kept thinking like, even if I ran away, like he would never stop looking for me. He wouldn't be able to move on. So the only way for him to be able to move on would be if I died. So I just started thinking about like how I could make that happen so that, and and it just felt like, yeah, I can do that for them. Like I can make that sacrifice for them. They, they deserve that from me. Like I really was just having really strange thoughts and I kind of like was thinking about it for a couple of days and thankfully there was just a small enough of a percentage of me that knew that it was abnormal. So I talked to Michael about it and I told him, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I've been planning in my head. Like something is wrong with me and we need to do something about it. And it was, he felt so lost too. Like that's another thing is Michael and I looking back, we're always like, how did we not see the red flags? Like there was every red flag. You weren't eating, you weren't sleeping. You didn't, enjoy spending time with people you didn't have fun with Rose you didn't even want to have fun with me like there were a thousand red flags but what was happening is I mean Michael he was tired too like he was struggling too he had a wife who was never happy he had um, school and work and he was just drowning in every aspect of his life and I think it was just he did the same thing you know we're doing a lot better than we were last month like we're gonna get out of this eventually Whereas looking back, like we definitely should have done something sooner. So, but we didn't really know what to do, honestly, because it was, you know, seven, eight months. And so he sent me to the bishop. He was like, we were talking to the bishop. So I talked to the bishop that Sunday, just told him kind of what was going on. And he kind of scolded me for not coming to him sooner. And then he sent me to LDS Family Services for counseling, um, which was really helpful it really was. Um, she identified what I was experiencing. She felt that I was experiencing PTSD from my traumatic labor and mm-hmm. delivery process and PTSD from the failed nursing process. Because um, I would still, still, after, really, after like a year and a half, I would still burst into tears if I saw a woman like nurse her child. Like, it was really upsetting to me. Anyway, It really did help. So I guess what I would change is honestly, I wish that when Dr. Jones said, go home and get some sleep. And if you're not feeling a lot better, let me know. Uh I wish I would have let him know, you know, I wish I would have gone right back in at three weeks and said, 
you know, I got some sleep. I feel a little bit better, but I'm still miserable and I, I'm not connected to my daughter and I think I need some help because maybe it would have been something as simple as like a little pill that would have helped me to sleep and like fall in love with Rose because now I just feel, I feel kind of just mad because now she's two and a half and I adore her and I, she's kind of like my best friend and I just feel angry that I like wasted so much of my time with her. I guess my advice would be to be really honest about what you're feeling and to seek a medical professional's help. Um, because like I said, the, the doctor at my six week appointment, like he did create a safe space. He did ask me if I felt like I needed help, but, um, I felt like I was telling him that I was struggling, but I wasn't very, like, forthcoming with it. I really wish that I would have said, you know, I don't want to throw my baby against the wall, but I am experiencing this, 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 and this, and I don't know if I need help or not, you know. I think the the female themselves really need to step up and say, I need help and not be ashamed of that. Um, but that being said, it's also really hard when you're in that situation to do so because um, I just felt like I was in a fog and I wasn't totally thinking straight and I felt like I wasn't really able to make that decision, you know, because now it seems so clear, like, oh, I should have done something about it. But at the time, it just it didn't feel clear. So um, it's a difficult thing to experience and I also feel like the people that are closest to them maybe just try to need to be aware of it as well because we really distance ourselves from people. I think that if people could have, like, seen me, they would have been more aware of how bad things were. Like, I wasn't trying to hide anything, but I guess I did. And I just think that it's important that you're very, like, honest and forthcoming with all the things that you're experiencing with your doctor. And if he seems to brush it off that you feel like, it's more important than like push it because I did feel a little bit like they brushed things off, you know, just a little cause uh-huh. I'm not sleeping. Oh yeah, that's normal. And then I'm like, Oh gosh, I'm such a loser. Like I should be able to handle this better, but I should have been more um, direct in my experience so that they could have helped me. You've been listening to maternal monitor. Find more episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you can find podcasts. I'm your host, Jamin Wilson, and thanks for listening.